Okay, last tackle now, and the ball's gone back to Piggs. He's inside his own half, he's inside his own 40. Ball's going down towards the winger down there. Oh, it swerved right past the winger. It, it sort of almost turned in mid-air towards the touchline. The winger had no chance of getting that, and that is a 40-20. Well, I've never seen a ball behave like that in the air. That was amazing. Oh, hang on, what's the... Crowd's not happy about something on the monitor there. Oh, no, Mitchell Pierce. He's holding a piece of yellow tape. Uh, I think that probably indicates that he's uh, tried to rough the ball up on one side. That's why it was moving around in the air so much. Mitchell Pierce, hang your head in shame. Progressive Rugby League. Once again, to the Progressive Rugby League podcast. It's been another week of Progressive Rugby League, and we're going to look at it. Uh, I am the Slug, and with me, as always, Progressive Rugby League experts, Al. That's Big Al once again, Slug, but thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. I'm not here to body shame, Al. And Jono, what's happening, mate? Hello, ciao, and konnichiwa. How are we, people? Round three of the NRL. And as we always say, this is not an NRL-focused podcast, but we have to address it. And another interesting round, I want to start off by saying to you, Al, that I really don't know what to do in a situation where the Tigers fight hard all game, they play well enough to win, and then something like that happens in the last minute. I don't know whether to... You know, message you and, and and say I'm there for you, man, or whether just to leave you the hell alone. What what do you think's best in that situation? Uh, I would say, please, you can you can text message me, you All can right. call me, you can WhatsApp me anytime, slug. You know that. I can call you out. You certainly can. Only the comma big, Al comma big. Thank you very much. Um, a virtual embrace is, is what you yeah. would love. So at the end of that game, um, my phone blew up, of course. I was getting text messages from people that I hadn't spoken to in years saying either like, you know, it was either rubbing it in or being um, really sympathetic to, to the cause. But I would like everyone to know that as a progressive rugby league fan, the progressive rugby league fan that I am, I accept that you can't win them all. Mm. Sometimes the, the cards are with you, sometimes they're not, and you, it's not in your control. So you just appreciate the fact that you saw a tight contest you can take all the positives out of that game as you can, as, as, which is exactly what I did. They, didn't, they did not concede a try. Good for them. The Tigers have not been able to do that since, I don't know, 2008, I think. Yeah, well, and it, if, if you know, palpitations per minute are a good judge of how a game's going, then that was obviously a great game because I was, I was on the edge of my seat watching that. And I guess it just begs the question, this first segment here we've called NRL Highlights of the Round. Reflections. It's well, yeah. Reflections is probably better because I, I, you know, I can't get past that refereeing as my reflection of the week. So that's really a low light, isn't it? Mm. Well, it's it's also forms part of my reflection slug, and I, I think in, in this case they've been in the news a lot over the last couple of weeks, and it reminds me that you know being a, a referee defender and being empathetic towards referees is actually very hard. I mean, have you been in a pub? talking with your mates, watching referees 
trying to uh, side with referees. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's not easy to do. I have. As soon as, as soon as you say it, but they're trying their best. It's like the place goes silent and yeah. everyone looks at you. They're not interested. Yeah, it's tough. It's, it's uh, a tough gig. Yeah, as progressive rugby league fans, we empathise. We understand it's very difficult. But at the same time, we, we're not blind to their deficiencies. So yeah. it's a tricky balance. We have to call out a bad decision when we see it. It's just a matter of accepting it and being able to look at the bigger picture, I suppose. Uh, well, I'm assuming that everyone knows what we're talking about because if you're listening to this, you probably will have known what happened in the Wests and Broncos game. Uh, it was all tied up. It was in Golden Point, and the Broncos got a penalty for the Tigers not having Marcus Square, which, as a lot of people are pointing out, could have been given at any point in the game to either side. So it was a crucial penalty at a crucial time, and people are just asking whether it was, how necessary it was, I guess. Yeah, and, and it's very tempting to join the cacophony of noise and, and whining about referees that eventuates after these sorts of things. And I, I suppose it, it's tricky. It's easy to say, OK, a penalty went against you, uh, it'll even out. You lose a game because of a referee, it'll even out. But what about when you just missed the top eight because of one refereeing decision, or theoretically, what happens if you lose a grand final because of one referee decision like that? So what's the what's the response to that? Because that makes it all even well, harder. The, the response is this: we, as fans, as passionate fans, both progressive, conservative, centre rugby league fans, we always tend to look at those. We'll call them controversial uh, or talk talking point decisions mm. in pure isolation. Yeah, that decision did not decide the game alone. There was plenty of drop balls, plenty yeah. of bomb tries, plenty of what have you on both sides that if you'd looked at them in isolation, they also lost the game. So That's a very it, good point. It not one penalty does not a game decide, even if it was a uh, you know, golden point, next, mm. next, next score wins scenario. It wasn't just that one incident that, that got to that result. And it's also a reminder that in progressive rugby league land, winning is secondary. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. I've got to keep remembering that. Uh, what I also need to ask myself is, would I feel the same way about it if it had happened to the Broncos? Yes, exactly. yeah, yeah, right. that's yeah. a very good point. Um, and I'm going to say no because you know we are the Broncos. It's yeah. and underdogs. You always go for the underdogs. That's is true. it progressive to always go for the underdogs, or you know, yeah, should it, you just? It, well, it gets a little cliched after a while to do, to always be going for the underdogs. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, true. Well, I mean, then you, there's so many variables. I mean, are they playing good football? I mean, are they throwing it around? You <laughs> know, they, the pillars of progressive rugby. Are they league? in a purple patch? You got to watch out for that. Purple right. patch. It's, it's too much of a blanket question to throw out there to you guys. All right, so that was that was my thing of the week, uh, John. Yeah, and, and mine. Yeah, so that was my uh, re- refereeing. It's hard to hold the line and and to be a an empathetic uh, progressive rugby league fan. What about you, Big Al? So my reflection, unfortunately, my reflection uh, also centres around that one that one game, and it was that. So Slug, Slug commented before that it was edgy seat sort of stuff. It was mm. um, well, I wouldn't say thrilling, but it was definitely an engaging encounter. However, yeah. there was one try piece. No, one one, one try. try on one side. The winning teams won for without scoring a try, which is hasn't happened since probably 1912. I haven't actually got the stats in front of me, but it hasn't happened for a long, long yeah. time. Yeah. It was riddled with errors, especially on the Tiger side. I I personally I don't think it was a high, a very a game of good quality at all. But because it's, t- it's terrible, terribly low score, mm. it kept it you know in, engaging or thrilling. Yeah, I, I had no uh, emotional investment in either team, and I found it quite a dull game. Yeah, and the fact that the team who won didn't score a try, 
uh, saddened me. I work, yeah, that, I work that up. does not sit well with me. No, that's right. That's not progressive rugby league. Regardless of the result, if, if, the, if the Tigers had won without scoring a try, mm. I mean, I'd be happy, happy to take home the two points, but they didn't go about it the right way. Mm. Yeah. Well, the thrilling part was for me was just when is this Tigers defence going to crack? Mm. And, you know... The damn wall. Yeah. It's just... Uh, it's, it's almost bursting, but it's not yet. All right. Well, they're our reflections on round three. They're very focused, as you can tell. Let's hook into this mailbag. Yes. A new segment on this show. Um, um, before we get into oh, it... Oh, sorry. Are we going to have mailbag music at any time? I feel it's, it's about time we introduce something like that. Yes, and here it is. This week's letter is from a fellow called Ben Wiggins, and he asks the following. Dear Progressive Rugby League, can we have some discussion around progressive decision-making from captains during the 80 minutes itself? Example being last week's Sharks-Dragons game, when immediately after a Dragons player was sin-binned for illegal play, the Sharks captain Paul Gallen chose to take the two mm. points to tie the game. Sharks were running into a second-half gale and had huge ball control issues in the second stanza. I was always brought up to believe that the best decision was to make in a sporting contest is the one that leads to the outcome the opposition least wants to happen. Sharks chose to take the two. Is this progressive? Does it go further than that? Is it either a negative or positive decision? Can a negative decision be progressive? <laughs> Has this made any sense? The slug won't know because Gogglebox was on, but Jono and Al, do you have an opinion? My goodness. What a question. <laughs> oh, no, this, is, this is a legitimate question, not a fake one like last week. This is a real question. <laughs> I'm beeping that. How dare you? <laughs> That's a real. It sounds like a real question. Look, um, why? Because it rambled on for half an hour. <laughs> no, thank you, Ben. Thank you for yeah, the, the question. Yeah, keep it up. Thanks for listening. Uh, I answer thusly, and I refer to my previous comment in that in progressive rugby league, you got to remember winning is secondary, and so you're taking it from the lens that he took the two points, and you know the other team, the least thing they want to do is for. The Sharks to win. Well, you know, in progressive rugby league land, the result, it doesn't really matter. Are, are we entertaining? Two, going for, there has just been a it's, a... it's like a virus sweep in the game. There's so many um, two-point penalty goals uh, happening at the moment. I'm tired of it. I want to see a quick tap. I want to see progressive rugby league. And whether it's positive, negative, it's a, it's a very good question. But yeah. for me, you never take the two points. Taking the two points is the equivalent of putting a little bit of yellow tape in your pants yes, and trying to rough a ball up. This is win at all costs when it's not necessary. It's not necessary. I'll tell you what, I have seen one occasion where taking the two points was an incredibly progressive move and and it was was poetry in motion. Mm. So it must have been the Gold Coast Tides, I think it was last year, we're down by three points, maybe four points um, with ten seconds to go uh, and got a penalty right in front. Right. So they chose to take the kick to get to two points and then back themselves to run down the field in the last five seconds and try and score a try. I quite like that, actually. It was amazing. They didn't, they didn't pull it off, but the decision-making around it, I loved it. So I suppose that's an example, Ben was saying, where a seemingly negative decision is actually a, a progressive, progressive or yeah. positive yeah. decision. Yeah, that's not too bad. Yeah. 
So they must have been down by eight or something like that. Mm. Take the two and then backs up score a try. Yeah, but more broadly speaking, I, I suppose I'm just I suppose venting from what I've seen in the first ten minutes, especially. You never ever see a team, you know, try to ram home the advantage and and go for that try. I'd, I'd like to see yeah. more of it. Now I don't know if this is just um, a case of confirmation bias, but I don't right right now. It, it's 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 like you said. It's a it's a plague. Mm. It's a it's a it's a nasty cold we've all got. Mm. And we need to shake it, but. Going for the two early on, I don't know if that was as, as prevalent prior to the Wayne Bennett era at the Dragons. Yes, I I'll, think they really introduced it as a tactic. As, uh, if you if you give us a penalty anywhere within thirty meters, we're yeah. taking the two, and that's it. Absolutely, that's our yeah, I totally agree. I, I I didn't see it up until about five years ago, I reckon. So mm-hmm. um, I think I don't. I mean, it's obviously it obviously works, and I suppose the other side of it is that there's a lot of penalties being given away in that. 10, 20 metre line where it's really hard to attack from and teams are finding it difficult to break through because the other teams are just lying all over the play of the ball and I suppose teams are saying, you know what, screw it, I'm going to score two points and that'll punish you. I'm going to call that also a lack of faith in their creativity these days. Yeah, true. I mean, there's many issues to it, but at the end of the day, there's problems with uh, the... Well, I was going to say there's problems with the refereeing, but I'd love to see the referees use the sin bin a bit more for those penalties around uh, the try line. Fouls, yeah. yeah, and I'd like to see captains, you know, take the, the ball and go for the try. Yep. Yeah. All right, well, we hope that's answered your question, Ben. Progressive Rugby League. Now, moving into the chunkier topic section where we like to... Discuss progressive rugby league a little more and really get to the roots of what it means and why it's important. Al, you flagged something that bobbed up this week, which goes to the very core of what we're about here. What did you have, mate? So I was was going through my my usual Saturday afternoon routine of uh, sitting on the couch in my underpants with empty beer cans around, uh, scrolling through my Twitter timeline, and in between responding to the many porn bots that follow me, uh, I also keep a keen eye on what Mr. Stephen Mascord is doing in the Twitter sphere. For those who don't know, Steve Mascord is quite possibly the lord of progressive rugby league. Well, he, is, yeah. he is a personal hero of mine, and anything he, he writes, I will read and purchase. Um, I'm, he's a patron saint for yeah, our Catholic he listeners. <laughs> he's a fa- fantastic person for the game to have involved. Uh, to, the game is lucky to have him involved, uh, is my personal opinion. Sure. Um, but he was having uh, back and forth with some people about um, a potential international rugby league issue, and he reposted a Sydney Morning Herald article that he wrote a couple of years ago about defining what he saw as the left and the right side of rugby league uh, politics and rugby league views. And uh, I read the article, I sent it to my fellow PRL teammates, mm, mm. and uh, pretty much think it's it, it's got makes some pretty good points. Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic article, and. Look, what I think we might do is he's, he's got a list of, of who he considers the right side of league and the left side of league. We won't worry about that right side. We're mm. not going to give him any play. We won't give him any airtime. <laughs> but what we might do is just have a little look through the uh, the left side as defined by this article. And, um, yeah, let's just see if it fits into what we're calling our idea of progressive rugby league. Yeah, because, I mean, over the last few weeks we've spoken about what, what we think it is, but... How does how is that consistent or inconsistent with the doyen, with mm. the with the golden child? All right. Well, these might be uh, sort of the 
commandments almost yeah. <laughs> if we're following our religious theme. All right, so in the article, uh, Steve lists the rugby league left as recognises the flaws in the current NRL administration but reckons they are taking the game in the right direction. Uh, I'd, I'd agree with that. I don't have any huge um, misgivings about the current administration. Big so, yeah, given this was written three years ago in the Dave Smith era, but even talking about administrations, you've got to approach it the same way as, as referees. You know, They're only human, they're doing the best. Mm. You, can't, you won't agree with every decision. Well, that's right. And, and to be halfway progressive, you've got to have empathy and you've mm. got to be able to look at things from that empathetic angle. Yeah, I mean, unless there's like clear corruption involved, which there's not in this case, then I suppose you have to you know, err on that side. Right. Uh, second point. Believes Australia has an absolute responsibility as rugby league's leading country to drive the game's development worldwide. Yeah, I, would, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that statement. I think that rugby league needs the, the power and, and the, the weight of Australia behind it to, to push the message throughout the world. Without um, Australia needs to, needs to con- concede that the, they, if they keep winning all the time, it's not good for the larger game, and Australia sort of needs to, to understand that and relinquish some of its power over the player selections that it has uh, in order to beef up, and give, give, uh, beef up the playing stocks of our minnows. Which we saw to some degree in the last World Cup, didn't we? With, yeah, we did. Uh, various uh, people defecting to island nations. Yeah, I think the broader issue, though, is when it comes to the dominance of the NRL over all other forms of rugby league, including and especially international rugby league. So I think it comes back to that. And Australia, yeah, I basically agree with that. They have a responsibility uh, to drive the international game forward because if they just dominate and, you know, New Zealand had a terrible World Cup and mm. they're meant to be our biggest challenger, if they fall by the wayside, then we're probably in big trouble. So it's it's very important they, they propagate it. And if Australia aren't helping others, they're hurting others. Exactly. And if they hurt others, they're hurting themselves ultimately. Am I right? <laughs> Who they gonna, what's yeah. it, what, kind, what are they going to do? It probably should be part of the foreign aid program. I mean, I haven't discussed it with Julie Bishop yet, but um, it's, it's on my radar. Third point. Fears Origin is ruining international football and wants it moved to weekends with New South Wales and Queensland players free to represent other countries. Hmm. So we're sure. saying we're saying open New South Wales and Queensland up to players, New Zealand players or English players. Uh, is that what that point's saying? Yeah, or potentially not make it mean that if you play for New South Wales, the only way to play for Australia, sorry, if you play for New South Wales or Queensland, you're therefore have, you're only eligible for the Kangaroos. So yeah. can you play for Tonga? Like for Fida, Andrew Fida is going to have to make this decision this yeah. year. Uh, if he chooses to play for Tonga again, yeah. he will not be eligible for State of Origin. Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. I think the beauty of... The reason why it works, I think, is because it's it's quite raw and basic in that it's New South Wales and Queensland. Uh, and if you start tinkering with it too much, I fear uh, for its success. But the other point of that is, is Origin ruining international football? Is it too big for its boots? Maybe. Should we move to the weekends? I'm happy with it on Wednesday. <laughs> it depends on w- what we think Origin is. Yeah. I mean, is Origin does Origin have to be the best versus the best, mm-hmm. or is it purely just who's in there with the most mongrel from each side, and right. who cares if they if there are you know a few players better than them? <laughs> a good point. I, I think it can exist. It doesn't need to exist in rep- being a true re- representation of 
I suppose, the origin of a player. It can just be when you become, what, it, what it's really become anyway, is when you become a, a registered professional National Rugby League player, you just have to pick a side. Pick, yeah. pick side A or B in New South Wales or Queensland, and that's who you'll represent in this talent, tough talent grudge fest. Mm. And you're also free to go and represent your nation. Personally, I don't see any problem with it. And I think that the, um, the stockpiling of players by state of origin mm. for the international team is what's getting in the way of the international expansion. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to agree with that one. Actually, unfortunately, Steve, I think origin is... Ow. No, I'm talking to Steve Maskell right. directly. Uh, origin is, is the gateway for many casual fans. It's massive. You know, people in Melbourne even watch it in huge numbers and across the country. So I think the fact that it's so big uh, is actually vital to the health of the overall game. It probably opens the door for other things like International Rugby League. Can you not argue that uh, International Rugby League would simply, if, if it was at the level of origin, it would replace origin as that, in, as that gateway? Well, I mean, that's the dream, isn't it, as uh, but, rugby league globalists? Yeah, but but rugby league, international rugby league will never get origin levels while origin is in the state that it's in. Well, can't we have both? Or can't we have our cake and eat it? I mean, this is... Well, yeah, I think there's you, a finite it, number of players. And you know, there's a fine, yeah, that's true. And uh, cake. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you, if you allowed people that qualified for countries that aren't Australia to also play origin, then you would. Mm, okay, so we're, we're going to... Okay, we might dilute the power of origin for the good of international rugby league. Well, so, I don't see how it, how would it dilute the power of origin by allowing. Well, I mean, the parochialism is the advantage of origin. It's it's the big thing about rugby league. And so you could, but you could still apply the same eligibility rules. So someone who wasn't whatever it is, they didn't have to have lived in the state before they were thirteen or something to, sure. to qualify. So if you if you don't meet that criteria, you don't qualify for origin. But mm. If you do meet that criteria, you qualify for origin, and you also qualify through heritage um, rules, you qualify for Fiji. Yep. Playing origin should not stop you from also playing for Fiji. Okay. That's where I that that's my line in the sand right there. Yeah, but I mean the actual three word state of origin, I think like you know on, you're either originally from Queensland or New South Wales but, in this but, context. But, but that's those, why it but works. But those rules don't exist now anyway. Yeah, you're probably right. Like you've got you're winning me over, big guy. Thank you. Slowly. I, I was wondering if I would have to break up a bust up there, but <laughs> there you go. And look, I'll reiterate my opinion. I, I I don't necessarily need to see the best players. I just want to see the most feral players. In there, <laughs> That's what I want to see. Thirteen Josh Reynolds. That's oh. all I'm happy to see in there. All right. Next point: the rugby league left reckons the NRL season is too long. And there are too many clubs in Sydney. Move Cronulla and cancel the city country. Well, that's that's happened already. Yeah, but I, um, I agreed with that one. Uh, canceling the city country um, is the NRL season too long? Yes, I, I would say uh, five less rounds would probably be healthy. Five. Yeah, four or five. That's yeah. a lot to cull all at once. You wouldn't ease that back a few per season. Well, or? you want to give space to international rugby league. This is <laughs> we need we need a, international a yeah like yeah. four weeks in the middle of the season or something like that. That that'd be ideal. What are the other ones? There are too many clubs in Sydney. No, I can't agree with that because I look at the North Sydney experience and oh. the, the fact that they left the North Shore. Mean, meant rugby league basically left the North Shore. You go to the North Shore now. You know what they're talking? They're talking Buddy Franklin. They're talking bloody Paul Ruse. You know, it's, it's AFL, it's rugby union, and rugby league is gone. If you move rugby league out of other areas of Sydney, I fear the same thing might happen. Uh, so I, I think the sentiment behind that comment, uh, Jono, is correct. 
but the notion that there are too many teams in Sydney, I, I would have to disagree with. I would say there are too many, but we can't do anything about it because of the mixed geography that those teams represent. Mm. If you move one of them out, you, you won't be able to... Um, they, they won't be replaced by another team, mm. another, by, the, the, yeah, by the fandom of another team. Yeah, I mean, if you started the competition again, uh, you probably wouldn't have eight or nine teams in Sydney. But the way it is, it's actually the saturation level is actually probably a strength for rugby league at the moment. So once again, um, I'm going to have to disagree on that one. So can I give a, I, I agree, but we can't do anything about it. That's what, where I'm at. What does that mean? Well, means I, I do think there are too many teams, but I don't think I think moving one is just going to lose fans. Sure, it's not going to it's it's not going to fix anything. Okay, it, we just weaken the position of the sport. Okay, uh, what do you think about the number of rounds there, Al? Um, it's it'd be hard. How how would that ever be dialed back, um, given the restrictions clubs have on them? Um, how would it ever be dialed back and and everyone still find it financially viable? Well, that's the problem. So we need the game needs to provide twenty five premiership rounds to justify the huge price tags that goes on the the broadcast rights. Obviously, so you get a million, a, a great show, prime time, um, premium viewing every week on the free to airs and cable TV. However, I do think that the the amount of games is a contributing factor to the challenge of crowds. Mm. So you have, when it comes to rugby league content, especially in Sydney, you can go whenever you want. There's never a, never an issue of when the game is going to be on because it's always going to be a game on. And I do think less rounds would mean more scarcity of product, which would therefore increase demand. Yeah, and there's also the, the NFL example. NFL is one of the, the more popular forms of football in the world, and they have, a, I think, a 16-round competition. Uh, and every game seems like a final. Every game is so important. The other side is... During the origin period, the NRL season is a bit of a busted, and it, and it yeah. just it just crawls along. Um, everyone loses interest, probably because of origin. Um, you could literally have a big um, representative sort of scene in that eight four to eight weeks in the middle of the season, uh, and you can have the exact exact amount of same amount of product that's currently there, like twenty five weeks of rugby league, but there'd only be, let's say, 18 to 20 weeks of NRL and there'll be four to six weeks of international football in the yeah. middle of the season or at the end or at the start or whatever. Um, so that would that would beef up the international game. I, I think the only possible kind of attraction to watching the rugby league rounds while Origin is on is, is maybe seeing some youngsters coming up and yeah. filling in positions that might be taken by people in Origin. But half the time... People in origin back up anyway. That's and true. Don't, and don't give those youngsters uh, an opportunity. So it's nuts to that, again. I say. Mm. All right. So the next point is that the Rugby League left favours Perth as the next team in the NRL. Wants more matches played interstate instead of at empty Sydney stadiums and is sympathetic to referees. Well, we've covered a bit of that already, yeah. but... I also think... We're also empathetic to referees. Yeah. <laughs> um, we are getting a lot more interstate games now. So this, was, this article's several years old. Um, and are you for it, though? I'm definitely for it. I think, I think again, it, it, less games in Sydney is, I think, needed. Yeah. Uh, and more games in markets, in potential growth markets, is, again, also needed. I think we're, it's, it's already happening. And I, as a progressive fan, am very happy with it. I'm happy with that. I think uh, the first round was a good example, doubleheader in Perth. And on that note, I do think Perth should be the next team. And I'd love to see um, PNG 
as a, in a team one day. Um, another New Zealand team, maybe a where do you stand South African the, uh, team, maybe. <laughs> where, do you, where do you stand on the the proposed Central Queensland bid? Um, there. I prefer... It's got a crushes feel about it, doesn't it? It does. I mean, I prefer... Well, that was, that was Gold Coast, really, wasn't it? The South Queensland crushes. No, the Gold Coast were around at the same time, weren't they? It wasn't, one was ARL, one was Super League, I think. Yeah. No, I think they were both ARL. But anyway, well, I think at the, end of, the, oh, sorry, at the end of the day, uh, Central Queensland, I mean, there is something to that. But I, I think um, you're sort of preaching to the converted there. I suppose the point is, do they deserve it? Because Queensland is such a nursery rugby league. Uh, they probably do, but, um, you know, Perth's first, please. I'll tell you where's first. Let's move Cronulla to North Sydney. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they can relocate there. <laughs> All right, next point. Uh, find themselves cheering for whoever Australia is, plays against. Oh, that's an easy one. Yes. <laughs> yes, again, and uh, I think that's... I mean, we've already said that. The, the, a successful Australia is probably not the best thing for the international game. So, yeah. but, but, but cheering for the... Australia's opposition, not just to be needlessly contrary, it's for the benefit of the game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and there are certain countries where Australia, where beating Australia would actually be a really, really useful breakthrough for the sport. I speak specifically to England. Mm. If England were to beat Australia in in that World Cup final, like they almost did, that would have done an amazing lo- uh, thing for the sport of rugby league in England in terms of mainstream media coverage. Uh, you know, people recognising it and following it, it would have done fantastic things. In- instead, we had, we had a, a fantastic game, really yeah. close, uh, really close result. But instead, it would have, I'm assuming, yes. it would have been buried as England narrowly loses to Australia. Business as usual. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, favours high-scoring games against aggressive contests and believes the days of the suburban ground are over. Well, we know that one, but high-scoring games against aggressive contests? Well, for me, it's not necessarily about the end score. It's more about the intent of both teams. So if both teams are throwing it around, but the defence is so good that there's not that many tries, and that's that's still great. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, overall, I do prefer a few tries to the 9-7 that we saw the other night. Um, so, yeah, I agree with that one. I would, I would use, again, that Australia-England World Cup final game uh, as an example of what you were just describing, Jono. That, that, I felt, had, had it was aggressive with lots of throwing it around and also low scoring, and it was an amazing game. Mm. I feel that this next point is probably Mascord looking into a crystal ball and, and seeing the emergence of this podcast somehow in the future. <laughs> Uh, next point is loves rugby league trivia and history and follows Super League closely, as well as embracing new media and watching international matches online. <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, I, I've never watched an international game online, but that's because I'm a, a technological Luddite. But um, yeah, I support that. Uh, rugby league trivia, absolutely. Who was the 1987 Rothmans medal winner? I think it was Cliff Lyons or something. Uh, that sort of thing, which well, I love. You were McGrady, or is that too early? He was 90s, wasn't he? 90s, I think. Was that Rothman's medal? I can't remember, but yeah. No, that was Dally M. Ah, see? Told you. Don't belong here. Um, all right, next one. Uh, sympathetic to calls for a draft and for player salaries to be made public and loves the World Club Series. Um, why should we make the player salaries public? I'm not sure about I, that. One. I is think it, making it transparent will never will never happen. But it's salary cap transparency. But I think that would be like what what I've said before is what I love most about rugby league is is the talking points, endless talking points. It's yeah. it's always there, and adding that into that pool of delicious, juicy talking points, it's just my mouth is watering <laughs> at that. It's never going to happen, but it would be phenomenal. I suppose his point there is transparency is a very progressive 
trait. So transparency of wages, progressive, left-leaning. Yep, I'm happy with it. All right. And the last point here, the Rugby League left prefer podcasts and blogs to the mainstream media and cringe at the parochial coverage there during the State of Origin series. Well, it goes without saying that certain podcasts we prefer. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the coverage, the annual coverage of the State of Origin, it's basically the same thing every year. You know, you've got the Wally Lewis, Mark Guyer thing. Uh, every yeah. year it's the same old thing, which is cringeworthy and it's pretty boring. And, I, you know, you've just got to live with it. I am all for uh, podcast consumption. Um, Steve, yes, agree. What about the fact that there's bloody... Hundreds of them. How, 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 where, where are you meant to start? It's ridiculous. This is rugby league podcast we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you start with progressive rugby league and you go no <laughs> further. You end there. Yeah, it's all start and end. You need. All right. Well, I think um, I think that goes to prove that you know, a lot of the um, things that Steve's trying to get across there about the left of rugby league is what we're all about well, here at the Progressive we're, Rugby we're, League podcast. We're broadly on the same page as the uh, the patron saints, so I think that's that's a good sign. Yeah, I uh, think the, the ideas the ideas share common themes, but the um, the strict administration of them probably has we have points of yeah i mean there. you don't want to be on the you don't want to be on the extreme left or the extreme right i mean you want to be you know center left or center right so perhaps, uh, perhaps we're we're doing progressive rugby league a disservice by labeling things left or right yeah exactly i think we should just take, take that out of the conversation right yeah there. absolutely we're not doing it progressive rugby league all right shall we have some updates uh, yes, so uh, the most anticipated segment of the podcast, <laughs> Le French Rugby League Update. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, sorry, French-Canadian, that is. French-Canadian, So absolutely. to my progressive rugby league fans out there, uh, our uh, our favourite well, our, our French team of the moment anyway, Toulouse-Olympique, mm-hmm. are currently flying equal first of the championship in the second division there of the English Rugby League with a 38-6 smashing of Halifax. So congratulations there to our... Toulouse Progressive Rugby League brethren. Uh, on the other side of the coin, unfortunately, we've got our um, our Catalans Dragons currently doing it tough in the Super League. It is not looking good for them. So gone to the glory days of, of Pat Richards, Todd Carney. Stacey Jones. St- Stacey Jones. <laughs> <laughs> um, and unfortunately, I'm sure Greg Bird is trying his hardest, but it's just not doing it for him. What's, What's happened to the Dragons? So they've lost. They've just lost 42 to 16 against Hull FC. And they're currently, like I said, dead set last of the Super League table there. There's no sort of uh, glowing bird effect there? Just Clearly not. (laughs) I mean... uh... And that's, and, Bird's crapped on something, I don't know. Well, I probably should look into exactly what role Greg Bird is currently playing with the side because I think he was going for almost like a captain-coach kind of role. I think there was some wow. coaching consultancy in that deal. Okay. It was a, it was a long deal, five years, I think. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll provide a Greg Bird update along with my <laughs> oh, French Rugby funny. League update next time. So stay tuned. Stay tuned, Progressive Rugby League fans. Um, on the other side... Uh, with our French-Canadian Rugby League update, we have the Toronto Wolfpack, who are, again, doing really well. Um, not as well as the old mate Toulouse Olympique. They're currently uh, fourth on the championship ladder, but they've just come off a very close 18-17 to win over the Rochdale Hornets. Fantastic. Uh, and that was a bit of a comeback because I think it was 12-6 at half time. so a tough fought-out win there for the boys in black and white. It was on the road, too. Tough road trip to Rochdale, yep. so it's a big win. Yep. 
and those hornets, they'll they'll swarm. Mm. <laughs> they will swarm. Uh, and a little a quick note on the Wolfpack. I hear they've just signed Chase Stanley. Oh, so it's a very good sign. Uh, do we use the term uh, journeyman Chase Stanley? Say, is been, is so. that the correct use of that term? He's yeah. been around a few clubs. So we've got uh, Ashton Sims. Rene Matua, Chase Stanley. And uh, Josh McCrone, Captain Josh McCrone. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. Bloody hell. The Wolfpack will be in that top division before too long, don't we think? Well, well that, was, that, that was the plan. That was the... Uh, <laughs> That's Perez's business plan. <laughs> that was the plan. Eric Perez dream. He's got to be... We hope in, it's still achievable. ...in the Super League by 2019, so still on track. On, track. on paper, we're there already. It's a good team. We've got Rene and Ashton. But once, once you get to Super 8s, well, it's a whole new competition. All bets are off. Anything can happen there. The million-pound game. The million-pound oh, game. Oh. What a game. What a game. That's, the, that's it for the French Rugby League update, but I do have more international news for, for people oh, that are interested. Yeah. <laughs> so, the Japanese Rugby League kicked off last Sunday. Wow. So, oh, the yes. Japanese National Cup... Um, the first game was played at the Osaka International University with uh, the, Ka- the Kaminari... Defeating the West Mix team, fantastic, <laughs> sixty-two to fifty. So uh, for those, so, sorry, 62... can I we have that score again? <laughs> sixty-two to fifty. Right, okay. okay. A bit of throwing it around in that game. So I they're think. obviously learning the game. They just learnt lesson one: attack. And lesson two: next week is defence. Okay, that's good. So for those that, that don't know, the Japanese rugby league competition is uh, based. Uh, there's uh, there's two divisions: a, a Kansai and a Tokyo based mm-hmm. um, based. The division of competition there. I think there's about six teams on each side. Great. So I'll provide. You spend a bit of time in Japan in your, in your youth, uh, Big yeah. Al. Is there, a, is there a thirst? Is there an appetite for Japanese rugby league? No. So, well, I mean, no, not really. <laughs> Only because nobody really knows what it is. Oh. So when I was over, when I was in Japan, I, I uh, inquired with a couple of um, New Zealand guys that I mm. knew, like, is there a rugby league team I can join? Mm. And they're like, no, but there's all these rugby teams you can Plenty join. Plenty of rugby. Like, Who needs that? <laughs> Um, so, no, I didn't. Um, but there you go. So the Japanese Rugby League has kicked off. Uh, it's going to do good things. And th- I can see eventually we, the dream is to have uh, co- uh, corporate-funded professional Japanese Rugby League teams, mm. much like the Panasonic Super Knights and the wow. Philips Rhinos or whatever they're called. Yeah. I-, I can see it happening. That sounds good to me. I think my concern with that scoreline is that maybe they haven't got the dimensions of the field quite right. <laughs> and maybe they're, they're playing on something that's like a kilometre wide. And they're just running around each other as <laughs> every time they get the okay. ball. <laughs> well, I'll see if I can get some footage, and we'll. we'll I mean, you never know. That might open up. A, there might be a, a business opportunity for us there to go and consult on. Ooh, oh, yeah. so I've got a little bit of Japanese under my belt. I can, That's uh, true. Um, we, can, we can consult via Skype for yeah. sure. Or maybe the field was so short that there was just plenty of penalties, <laughs> yeah. and there were just thirty-one penalty goals versus twenty-five penalty so goals. I, is that also, it? I can't. I can't speak to the, the professionalism of the league. I do know that one of the teams is is officially called the Tokyo Gaijin. Sorry, Tokyo Gaijin, which means Tokyo foreigners. So oh, okay. um, say uh, no more. Yeah, say no more. Um, but further to that. Continuing on international theme, I know we were talking about potentially state of origin might not be as progressive as you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is all about progressive rugby league, my friends, because I have to tell you that game two of the Colombian state of origin what? has resulted <laughs> in a win for um, and uh, I can't really say it probably, but the team that the team where the capital city is Medellin of um, of Narcos oh, fame has yeah. defeated the region whose capital city is Bogota. Bogota, Bogota. Bogota. sorry. Yeah. 40 to 36. So that ties the series. Wow. wow. So one apiece. One apiece, yeah. So the previous game was won by, um, I'm going to give the, game, the names a go here, uh, Cundinamarca, 48, defeating Antioquia, 10. 
world. Game one. That's fantastic. so we have a do we have a tied series in Colombia, my friends. That is amazing. There's nothing Colombians hate more than a dead rubber. Um, well, thank you for those updates. I like the fact that the update segment is growing each week. Mm. I think we're going to have to make sure. You're going to need to give me a limit because I, I, I've got more if you want. <laughs> we'll just start it earlier and earlier. This is what people are coming for. Mm. All right, let's wrap this up with our progressive moments of the week. Jono, kick us off there, fella. Well, this week for me, the progressive moment it comes in the form of a team. They're the uh, Canberra Raiders, and now they have lost three in a row. And we all know close games are generally entertaining. There's nothing more entertaining than a comeback. And each of these three weeks, Canberra have suffered uh, at the hands of a, a stirring fight back. And so really, I'm tipping my hat off to Canberra for sacrificing themselves for the good of the game. There's been three very entertaining losses. And Progressive Rugby League fans, you know, bow and, and you know, doff the cap to a team that provides entertainment even when they're not winning. Uh, just before you said there's nothing more entertaining than a comeback, I thought you were going to say there's nothing more entertaining than a coach-blaming referees well, after yes. every single game they lose. Yeah, we should really separate the Canberra team on the field with the uh, Canberra administration off the field because we know that blaming referees for all your ills is the most unprogressive thing you can do. So obviously I'm, I'm separating now. I'm just talking about the Canberra team on the field who have uh, you know, given us three you know, rousing comeback losses which has been very entertaining. Yeah, so that's my progressive moment slash team of the week. Fantastic. Al? Uh, so for me, and I, I, don't, I, I don't mean for us to focus, again, all this energy on this, this Tigers-Broncos game, but <laughs> my, my progressive moment of the week was born of the result of that, and that was the announcement on Saturday by, the, uh, by Bernie Sutton that mm. the, that result, that golden point decision was wrong. And I thought that was a really progressive thing for the yeah. referees to do, to go out say, yep, we think we got it wrong. It shut the conversation down. Uh, it also meant they, they weren't trying to um, create excuses or, or yeah. push blame. They said, yep, it was wrong. We make mistakes. Let's all move on. And I really liked that. I thought Because often in those situations, it, you can find something. And often referees, bosses in the past have found something little that is, oh, you know what, it was a penalty because technically he was three degrees, yeah. you know, not square. And even, even after the... The referees came out and said yes, it was wrong. There was still debate in the mainstream media as to whether it was wrong or not. Even though mm. that's so, you, you could have made a case for it to have been a legit, legitimate penalty. Yeah. But they came out and said straight away, no, it was wrong. Whoops, um, let's move on. And I think everybody moved on a lot faster because of that. And I think it's a really great move. Well done. Happy with that. Does that mean they're going to do it every week though, just to get people to move on and stop bagging refs? <laughs> well, no, they don't need their own podcast. <laughs> Because we've got a podcast have huge audiences. Yes. That's how you reach the masses. All right. Well, my moment of the week isn't particularly uh, layered. It's just a straight-up kudos to the Dragons because they played some fantastic flying crisp mm. rugby league against against the hapless Titans. And I don't want like it just they just clicked and mm. they just said, you know what, we're going to get our shapes moving nicely. Yeah. And we're going to throw it around. We're going to have set plays and the timing. The mm. timing. A couple of little cool chips and, and grubbers and things. They were putting on the trick shots and they chip. all... Yeah. I love a chip. Widdop uh, is, is the grubber master. Mm. He's just, he'll run to the line and grubber and there's a result of some kind every time. And let's not forget the, the vanquish there, the Titans, because it helps when you're playing crisp football to have a hapless victim and the Titans played that role so very well. The generals to the Harlem Globetrotters. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, having just given the Dragons a wrap though, we all know that they will choke at the end of the season. 
Because that's what they do. That's what they do. I mean, they, they, they won the first six last year or something like that. They were, <laughs> they were top the table after seven or eight rounds. So uh, early days. But, gee, they're looking good. Yeah. With Ben Hunt and uh, Gareth Whittup, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So, Dragons, I'm enjoying your crispness while it lasts. Keep throwing it around. All this talk of crisp chips and shapes. <laughs> luckily, luckily, Jono follow through on the snack oh, commitments. I brought this time. snacks, yeah. Sorry, shapes, but... and chocolate. Speaking of wraps, you've got to give wraps where it's due, Jono. <laughs> yeah, Jono. The pressure was on. All right. Well, thanks once again for listening. If anyone is, and we will see you again at next time. See ya. Bye, Thank you everyone. In rugby league, we trust. Bye all.